0: two one hey everyone welcome to another episode of the moon tea podcast today we have rostam what's up rostam yo we out here uh hugh and rostam are in rostam's uh whiteboard whiteboard man cave mm-hmm. he, he doesn't show it but um, my guess is past the past this part it's just a, a a bunch of whiteboards. This is just the tease, right here. Um, I have zero whiteboards, so not not at that level yet. Um, I don't know.
1: <laughs>
0: What's up, guys? Uh, not much. I I honestly am very excited to have Senior My Hot Body on the podcast today. Uh, basically. Rostam is one of the most adventurous gentlemen I've ever met, who is the most outgoing and intelligent and hardworking, dedicated to his crafts, and is such a bro, just there for everybody. Oh, thank you. And Rostam, one quick thing, he's just come back from France. Ooh. He followed and didn't follow. It. He met up with the romantic interest of his life at the present, and it's it was very romantic, such a French thing to do. Yeah. No, it was cool. It was awesome. And he's a back-end developer, self-taught, went to boot camp, and went on from there. It's amazing. And, yeah, just jack of all trades. Loses to me in pickleball all the time. (laughs) Just kidding. I lose all the time to him. Pretty good. For those of you listening on Spotify or iTunes, he also has a magnificent beard. Wow. (laughs) I am very impressed right now.
1: It's a blessing and a curse.
0: <laughs> I I have no notion of what what curse there may be.
1: Do, do you put beard oil on it? And like I used to, um, and then I have to comb it like um, all the time to keep the hair straight. And it's like I mean, um, it's like a part time job, but it <laughs> came out came out nice. And then you have to trim it up every once in a while, so like every couple of days, and that's that's the curse. But yeah.
0: I would it's it's my dream to have a a beard and an afro and then and then I shave the afro and then I have a lot like a giant beard on the bottom and then be bald on top and have like upside down here but I see it that is that is a pipe dream will not happen um wow uh tell us about tell us about your trip to France that that sounds really cool are under the bus yeah, there. <laughs> here we go. We're sorry.
1: Um, now, France was uh, cool. So, t- kind of to give backstory, is um, we were traveling, me and my two buddies, we go to Tahiti every year and um, we do some kite surfing over there, just hang out, really cool spot just to get away. And uh, we went during COVID um, one time and then we went the next year as well this year. And we were on the beach having tequila at like 10 o'clock in the morning. Um, you know there was a girl nearby and so we offered her a shot of tequila um and she said no initially and so then we were like all right we'll do our own thing so we hang out and then um we come back to the beach and she comes up to us and is like i'll take you guys up on a beer so then that's like kind of when we started talking um she had a group of four of the people with her and uh her and i connected, and then. know we kept in contact as we went back i think we spent like two or three days together um and then i went back home um, to america and she went back to france and uh yeah we just enjoyed our time together enjoyed talking um and then she's like we'll come out to paris and um she's like come out for my birthday which was on the 27th of october so i was like all right this could be fun um she's throwing a huge party she has like 20 people going and so um and they're good good people that I met and um, her friends. And so I was like, yeah, why not? And so spent a week over there, um, did all the touristy stuff, you know, the Eiffel Tower, uh, Sacre Corps Pantheon. Um, and then the second week I worked from home. Um, so not really too much craziness that happened. And then, uh, yeah, now I'm back. Just got back this weekend. Now he's pining away. <laughs> Woe <Whoa> is Rostam. <laughs> I want to go back. I want to go back tomorrow. It's amazing over there.
0: Wow, that is amazing. Do you speak French?
1: I do not, but I took a Duolingo. Um, I learned some like normal phrases because in France they like get mad at um, people who don't try. And so I was like, well, I'll learn how to say, "Do you speak English?" Like uh, order something at the store. I'm able to like count and just kind of all the basic stuff, uh, just to show them that, hey, I'm trying. You know.
0: Yeah that is an amazing story what a way to what a way to start off the first like four minutes of this podcast that is wow so so uh are you are you interested in this girl like are you are you trying to see her again like what was what was that last two weeks like yeah Rostam, what are your
1: feelings about this <laughs> you want to just tell the internet <laughs> uh, I get into the deep stuff all right um but now, I mean, I think she checks off a lot of check boxes as far as like, you know, um, we define what we want in our future, um, whether it be a relationship or marriage or kids. And so for me, it's like, um, what I want in a significant other is good communication. Um, I want to be able to travel with them because it's something that I do multiple times a year. Um, and then I want to have like the same interests, um, whether it be like food, activities, et cetera. Um, and so, you know, my travels in Tahiti, we didn't get much time to explore that, but the communication was there, um, and the travel was there, and then I went to France, and it was kind of the same thing, we're just reassured, like, hey, um, you know, we have good communication, we eat great food, Uh, we go and sightsee together, we have a great time, Um, there's not too much, like, awkwardness, it's all, like, jokes and fun, Um, she gets my humor, and so, for me, it's, like, I I wouldn't mind continuing it on, Um, and I think, like, she's on the same boat where, you know, we realize there's a reality of, like, she lives in France, I live in America, and, like, for us to continue this on, like, long-term, it would be, like, someone would have to move, right? And so, um, I don't think we're ready to have those conversations yet, but, um, we both feel, uh, strongly about each other, and so, um, we'll just kind of keep going with this vibe and see, see where it takes us. Wow. <laughs> That is
0: amazing <laughs> um, I, i've i've had I've had friends and I've heard about stories like this where where you know someone's studying abroad they they meet someone through like an international group and i and I feel like you know like if you're if you meet like a like some foreigner it's like, it's a little more intriguing and it's a little more interesting. And um, so, yeah, it seems like a really cool experience. I think the one thing I've thought about was like, oh, if that were to happen to me, the tricky thing is that whenever you see that other person and you like travel to that person or that person travels to you, it's like, you're always on vacation sort of, which is which is very different from like, you just live together for like a month. I guess I guess, since you worked the uh second week remotely, you had like a little piece of that but mm-hmm. yeah that's that's like one thing that that um, if I were to be in that situation would go on in my head
1: um, yeah. but yeah it's 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 kind of like this excitingness of, of something new right um as you, as you travel over there, cause you're in a new area um, that you haven't been before. And so for me, it's like, um, I realized it was kind of vacation, but at the same time, like we were together for two weeks and it's like, we didn't argue, didn't fight. We had like a great time. And maybe that's because of the excitement um, and the newness, but um, yeah, the fact that I was working there the second week and she was working as well, um, and it still kind of felt natural and felt good. It was like, okay, this is, this is different. This is amazing. Thanks for, thanks for sharing on the internet. <laughs> yeah. Thanks to you. Thanks to you for bringing it up. You know? <laughs> yeah, I,
0: I had to. <laughs> you know, there's so much to like communication dynamics in, in long distance relationships and you're somehow making it work. And it's amazing to me, like watching Rostam, you know, have this quiet smile on his face as he's staring at his phone and it's this beautiful love interest of his and they're having a great time. You're like, wow, you must have, good tools and techniques at least to be bridging the gaps in
1: between keep that going, do you? Yeah, I think communication is key um, in that that aspect. It's like, um, I think with the distance, you kind of have to over-communicate and set up these like boundaries of if, uh, and be actually very aware of their emotional states and like how they're messaging back, what messages are being sent. So it takes this level of like awareness and communication that I've never experienced before because I'm able to just be like hey you want to meet up for dinner like let's let's go um and have a conversation like that where it's like different now where I have to like wait for her to text me back there's also a time difference um and so just like over communicating um and keeping things fun and light is like super super important and that's like kind of my system that I've been using
0: what a great life experience yeah I'm very, very happy for you um, Hugh, Hugh also mentioned that you, and, and you also mentioned that you, uh, like have been traveling a lot and you like travel regularly, like out of curiosity. And also you mentioned you're a backend engineer, so I'm sure it, you can unlock it as much as you want. Um, like what, what kind of travel are you into? Um, what are some of the, the places that you really liked? Like, what are some places
1: you really want to go? Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, let's see. So as far as places that I've been, that I liked, um, I think everywhere is unique. Um, however, like Japan was probably my favorite just because it's such a culture shock. uh, and not a lot of people speak English and also the lettering is not the same. So like us at the train station, it was kind of hectic because you're matching like symbols. Um, and it was like, it took a lot longer. Um, And then also just the culture over there was amazing. I mean, everyone treats you with respect. Um, You know, when you ask for like a cup of water, they're not like on their phone um, and getting it like five minutes later, they're like, hi, and then they run and they go and grab it. And then they run back to you. And it's like, I mean, I feel like we just don't get that here. Um, That was one aspect like I really liked. Um, I think also France was kind of the same way. Um, And what I noticed was culturally, they, they don't have hourly workers, they have like salary um and so even people at restaurants are salaries so you get people who care a lot more about what they do um mm-hmm. so when you ask a question at a restaurant like hey can you tell me a little bit about this dish or what's like your favorite dish and they'll explain like how the chef repairs it why they think it's a favorite the flavor profiles like what pairs well with it as far as wine goes like it was just this like really long description and you're kind of intrigued by this and you're like okay i'll order that like that was an easy decision um and so those two but as far as like what kind of travel I like doing, um, I like kite surfing or well, kiteboarding specifically. Um, and so I'll travel to these places that have like high winds. Um, so I go to Maui a lot, um, been to Columbia to go kite surf, Tahiti to kite surf. And so like, um, that's really what kind of guides some of my travel. Um, I'd say most of it. And the rest of it is like just traveling with friends. Um, I have a good buddy of mine that lives in Maui and um, he sets up these trips, uh, a couple times a year and I get invited every year. And so, um, for instance, in March, we're going to Portland and Mount Baker and, uh, we're going to do some snowboarding up there. And then June, we're going out to Bali to celebrate, um, a birthday. And, um, so that's kind of what is spark the travel. And then also, also like France with the, um, French girl, um, uh, but it was also my first time ever traveling alone, which was really interesting. Um, right I had people there to show me around, but it's my first time being like, i book my own flight, book my own Airbnb. Like it's all on me to basically set up, which was, which was awesome.
0: I and mean, when you went to Japan,
1: you went snowboarding,
0: but you did avalanche training, right? Yeah. Yeah. So we got level one certified. <laughs> like the things Rostum does, it blows my mind. I really, it just <laughs> blows my mind. <laughs>
1: uh yeah no that was, that was super cool so they taught us how to like uh you know measure the depth they taught us like snow types um how to rescue someone uh the transponders like pretty much everything to gear you up for going backcountry skiing and like one of our plans in the future is to do like heli skiing um in the backcountry where you like splitboard board up and you're like cruising up this mountain for like two hours and you cruise down for 15 minutes and it's like um three five-year goals um that we're kind of setting up
0: uh so is it fair to say uh kite surfing is the summer activity that you're into and snowboarding is the winter activity exactly yeah yeah you got it cool i like i like how your uh your uh your goals like five-year goals are centered around like fun things like, like i want to do this adventure i want to do this other adventure and then it's like you're like, I'm sure, I'm sure you, your career stuff and like other things are, are like also very solid, mm-hmm. but you're just like, ah, that's going to be good anyways, like, just do my work, but then you're like, you're like, I'm going to go, I'm going to go like, I don't know, learn how to survive an avalanche.
1: Like, <laughs> Yeah, it's, uh, I think that's what fuels me to keep going at work as well, because um, it's like, I value my time like to myself and like to go travel. Um, it really like rejuvenates and like re-energizes me. So, um, I need a couple of those a year, which is what my works afforded me. They give me a week every three months. Um, so, um, I plan around those times to go like do some crazy stuff, I guess.
0: Wow. Very nice. Lots of respect. Um, Wow. <laughs> um, what, uh, I don't know. Do you want to talk about the uh, back end stuff? Do you want to get into it?
1: Oh, uh, correction. You're full
0: dev aren't you? I'm full stack That's my yeah. fault. Yeah.
1: yeah. I yeah. went to school for back end engineering.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And, but definitely uh, Rostam is doing a lot of front end stuff too. I, I was like thinking, I was like, man, I undersold you. <laughs> uh, yeah. Book, uh, did you go to a boot
1: camp? Is that what you said? Yeah. So, um, yeah, I went to Turing School of Software Engineering, um, they're based in Denver, Colorado. Uh, it's a seven month accelerated program, um, and they teach you Ruby on Rails, um, and they kind of expose you to React and um, JavaScript and um, some GraphQL as well, um, just to get you some exposure, but no no in-depth, Ruby on Rails was, was the main thing. Um, and yeah, kind of before that, um, I was really into finance and the stock market. And so, um, actually Hugh, um, he encouraged me to, to take a step towards engineering. Um, I was, as I said, into finance and I wanted to create like, uh, algorithms for the stock market. And I was like, Hey, how do, how do you do that? Like, what, what are the steps to doing that? And he was like, well, you need to take courses in Python and data analysis. And so, um, I bought a Udemy course, um, literally called Python for data analysis and, um Tashi pandas um all these different libraries that um you can use to analyze data um and I kind of did that on my free time while I was working and it was like really energizing like it kind of gave me this um um yeah it just kind of was exciting for me and so um at that point I was like well what are my options right like either I go to school for like data science or I go to school for like software engineering and yeah, I chose Turing. How, uh, how long ago was that? Uh, this was a year and I want to say like three months ago, a year and four months ago. Oh, yeah. wow. Yeah.
0: And so were you able to find a job right away?
1: Um, so I actually looked for about two months uh, before I got referred from a friend at Turing. Um, she knew the CEO of the company and was like, hey, I think you'd be a great fit. Like, uh, let me put you in contact. and um, And that's where I'm at now
0: that's amazing. Yeah, yeah. 2 months is pretty great. It took me 5 months to get my
1: first job. When uh when did you get your job though? Cuz like mine was during the heat of like COVID. Oh,
0: I I graduated from bootcamp in February of 2017. Um I I got it took 5 months before getting like my first full-time offer and I was I was teaching web development on the side before doing that um also was like volunteering for like civic tech projects I, I was like doing everything i could to to just learn a little bit every day and like to just like work with people who knew more than me that um, first job didn't work out i did like a contracts crypto job kind of thing for a company that's like not a real company um, they also paid in bitcoin very very weird very weird <laughs> situation but i learned a little bit more there and then after that company failed i like went to uh went to like a like my first like real software company
1: and then what was the name of
0: it uh so that one was called friend buy um they do like e-commerce marketing stuff and then and then like a year and nine months ago uh, went to my company now, which is based out in New York. It's like finance, finance stuff. And I just, you know, every step getting paid to learn and getting more, more responsibilities every time I, I, uh, kind of like move somewhere else. So
1: Yeah. Did you stay in the same language and framework as you were in bootcamp or did you move?
0: Uh, generally. Yeah. Yeah. I learned, okay. I learned react and JavaScript um and then like some node.js stuff but yeah now i'm doing like typescript and react um i I took i took a few java courses like community college courses and I've, i've contributed to the like back-end java system like it's not something i'm gonna get paid for or like it's not something i would be hired for but i have uh contributed to it um but uh, yeah, primarily doing like like, front-end and like backup front-end work.
1: Um. Yeah, the only yeah. reason why I ask is because like, um, I had to jump because um, I, I went to school for Ruby on Rails but I work in Java and JavaScript and Vue, uh, Vue.js. And so I oh, like, cool. teach myself, it's, it's a lot easier when you know software engineering, but like I teach myself all these different uh, Languages and Frameworks, um, which was, yeah, it was pretty rough, but yeah. it's honestly incredible
0: seeing what Rostam has done in the past stretch of time, what, six, eight months? I'm coming up on, yeah, nine months. Nine months, months now? Yeah. 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 Ten months, we'll say. We'll just keep it. Yeah. Twelve months. Thirteen <laughs> <laughs> months. Ten months. <laughs> okay, ten months. Um, Rostam, something that I'm so impressed with is how rapid and avid a learner he was and how proactive a learner he was in one of like the hardest fields to learn on one's own, especially at a startup and minimal mentorship. Mm, pretty incredible the tools that he picked up. And you know, you know, you started out as a junior and you're now a software developer. So and you you burned the midnight oil
1: and still are, but it's incredible. Yeah, it's incredible he did. It was, uh, it was rough. <laughs> um, but it was definitely like the trajectory, it's, you know, exponential growth, um, when you first get in, right. Um, especially having like a senior dev, um, to kind of help guide you, but yeah, a lot of, a lot of hours.
0: I'm curious. So when you, before you actually went to the boot camp and everything, and you were still feeling it out, Roston then versus Roston now, like, how do you, how do you analyze or view that progression track and Um, think about your growth and do you think you've even accomplished anything because in my eyes I mean,
1: have you no Um, no, great question so I think before um, I lack this like um, belief in myself um, just throughout like things that happened in childhood college high school etc I just didn't believe that I was like quote-unquote smart Um, I got a degree in finance and economics. Um, It was pretty easy. I just kind of got by with it. And then I was working a mundane job, which was literally something that like a computer could do. You're writing reports um, all day for eight hours. Um, And it was just like, really, it didn't challenge me. Um, And I just felt like it was boring. Um, And so me back then, not believing in myself, not believing I can like achieve what I've achieved. um, Yeah. I think mean, that's, like, how I view myself back then, and then now it's, like, and kind of in context, too, is, like, I got that degree just because my parents wanted me to. Um, it's not because it was something that was, like, super happy to go into. They're, like, hey, you know, a degree is everything, um, school is everything in life, and so um, once I found software engineering is something that I wanted to do, I was, like, willing to put a lot more effort um, to learn it, um, and so now, I mean, like, yeah, I, I realized my, my growth um, in the past year has just been um, insane. And I didn't really think that I could do it at certain points in time. Like it was just, it was really rough. And um, you know, you have this kind of imposter syndrome and am I doing things right? Like all these things came to mind, but you know, where I'm at now um, I kind of take a look back and I'm like, yeah, like I've, I've really grown a lot and I've learned so much. Um, and. The most beautiful thing about software engineering is you can never be the best uh, and that, that's what kind of like enticed me too is like you will continually grow um so yeah yeah well, lots of respect as
0: i think i think the the three of us have all had our share of struggles and and uh and uh, especially like the beginning of, of my jobs i'm just like dude how did I manage to get hired? Like I'm, I'm about to be discovered that I'm actually like, I'm actually a lot dumber than I <laughs> sold myself as. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think it's I think it's pretty common to have imposter syndrome in, in uh, like everyone that I've talked to in the software industry. Um, the only hope is that as we get more experience and hopefully become less dumb, that we we just, like, get better at pretending that we know what we're doing.
1: AKA Googling um, and copy and pasting. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> and then tweaking to get it to work. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Stack overflow. Exactly. saved my life <laughs> a couple times.
0: Out of, uh, have you thought about, have you thought about kind of mid to long-term career goals? Um, like, do you want to keep working in software? Like, is there, like, somewhere where you want to like get or are you like just trying to learn
1: yeah that's a great question um I want to say I have like a career trajectory of like where I want to get to but um I think things for me right now are like fluid so I enjoy like I know what I enjoy which is helping people um I mentor a student at Turing um and I get a lot of enjoyment out of it um so potentially engineering manager down the road or lead engineer um or even senior engineer um i like to architect things and think thoroughly before starting to build something um like whiteboarding things out um talking about the best uh plan of action so all these things i don't like gcp and like deployment i'm not really like a big devops guy um so i know that i won't go into that field but i think um it's it's up for i don't know it's not really like dis- decided right um and there's a lot of opportunity at my job now which is cool um to become whatever i want to become um and like move up into different roles and stuff so um, kind of keeping all the all the options open
0: dude i can already tell you're a smart guy <laughs> <laughs>
1: I got imposter syndrome. I don't know. I'm
0: good at faking it now. <laughs> <laughs> you're good at you're good at convincing the rest of us that you're a smart guy. Yeah.
1: That's, that's <laughs> what got me
0: the job, you know. <laughs> uh, I'm I'm just I'm really impressed because you uh you know, like I know a lot of people that are interested in working in software or data or like something in the tech world and and it's it's scary to like learn just like do your first like weak code problem and it's scary to like try to get something to compile and it's scary to, it's like and it's really hard and like most people don't make it um that being said when you are on the other side and you've you found your first job and um are getting the rhythm of it like it's like it's a really good place to be but yeah it's i'm like i'm shocked that i made it Hugh Hugh made it look easy the whole time um rostam it seems like you were just hustling the whole way through and like um yeah I'm like happy happy for all of us that were like you know like worked for something
1: yeah. yeah I'm a huge proponent of like um you can achieve what you put your mind to um like if you really want something you can get it and so for me it's like I really I really want it so I was like well I have to put in 70-80 hours a week for seven months and if that's a lifestyle that I'm wanting to get then that's the price I have to pay um so yeah I'm glad that we all made it too it's oh been God. a crazy ride um mm-hmm. to get here but um we can breathe now, you know, um, and we can continue growing and um setting goals and um achieving them.
0: Dude. Leave leave some achievement for the rest of us.
1: <laughs> <laughs> There's plenty to go around.
0: Wow. <laughs> uh, uh and how are you two friends? Uh, are we friends? Um <laughs> Oh, this and, is the awkward. This is uh, awkward. Grinder, yeah. grinder story. Grinder, yeah, totally. I didn't want to say it. Yeah, what's up, baby? we actually lovers. So we met in France. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm visiting. He was like, I was that girl. All <laughs> uh, right, we're gonna stop that one then before it gets too deep. Oh uh, no. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, no, we, I think Rostam and I met via mutual friend, Thomas, and since that day, he's put up with my presence ever since, and since he said, you know, if I have to hang out with this guy for more than a year, I guess we should be friends,
1: <laughs> and I'm so sorry <laughs> that I'm in your life. No, yeah, but we met through, we met through Thomas. Uh,
0: yeah, it's been good, though. There was yeah. a... Uh, Uh, There's been moments, there's been some really fun moments like (laughs) that, (laughs) yeah, we've always had a good time. Like Rostum is so driven and and down to work, but then honestly, Rostum is probably one of the biggest instigator of good decisions on the weekends. great decisions the best ones that make you feel the next day too. You, you know you just can't you just can't complain especially on a monday sometimes oh, gosh.
1: <laughs> yeah uh we like to we like to party a little bit you know it's work-life balance there's a time <laughs> my favorite story right now of Rostam
0: of all time yet far it still has to be surpassed well maybe the french one actually just surpassed it but the second tier story now is when Rostam made it in tech and yada yada, he wanted wow. to go visit some co- team members or something in San Francisco. You know, Silicon Valley, yada yada. So cool. But anyways, he goes to Silicon Valley, goes to some bar, and is like super stoked. And he goes in, tell me if I'm butchering, but he goes
1: in, and he's like, I'm in tech. <laughs> I'm in tech. <laughs> so- Everyone at the bar heard me too. They all turned over. Oh God. I fell on top of the world, then. <laughs> you,
0: you're, you're definitely very special to be someone in San Francisco who works in tech. Very, very special. They'll be like, wow, that person works in tech. I was like, Rostam, you, we like, you need to get a bicep tat of, like, I'm in tech. I'm in tech. <laughs> uh, oh, goodness. <laughs> that a recursive loop. Okay, so... Rostam is cool. That's it. That's all there
1: is to it. Yeah. I hate to say So it. now my alter ego name is like I, I say I'm in tech. <laughs> um whenever, whenever we're partying, a bit, it's 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 fine.
0: That's that's wonderful. What is the uh what is a typical like scenario of of partying that you know, we just uh, this will be on the internet forevermore, so I don't think we digress. <laughs> <laughs> we uh, thank you, Mootie Podcast. Uh, we, don't, we don't wanna podcast. we don't wanna edit out the entire like next 30 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good time though. Okay. Um yeah. No, I think we, we do have a good time and we travel a lot and we just went to, uh, we're gonna be going to places and yada yeah, yada. Yeah. But I think something that's actually cool on the flip side of just partying, you know partying is fun and everyone's own context and definition of it. So 2BD on definitions, but I think something that's really cool is when Rostam mentioned his goals of just, you know, um, achievement of, you know, adventures, but also in the professional world of technology and creation. And usually I believe that people don't usually make it unless they have a significant why. Right. And, and, or, a why can change over time. However, to get someone through the moment, it's not about what I can be or what I can make. Sometimes that works for most, for some, but most of the time it's the why. And I think Rostam has really is, is like a really his whys to me have always been something that stood out. And even when I ask friends, so like even in interviews, I'll ask designers that are coming up. I'm like, one of my favorite questions that I was ever asked is, you know, like, what would your best friend say about you if I asked them? You know, and I, and I think it's so simple and it's kind of just letting them brag about themselves, but I think it shows a lot of traits. And I think one of the things that I personally heard when I had never seen it, so I still think it's a lie, is that, you know, Rostam, when he sees people that are <clears throat> struggling or a homeless person or something, he'll give water bottles or give something, not cash because of X, Y, Z reasons, but to give and support or when something happens and somebody gets dropped something, Rostam's like right there. And, and I've always thought that was amazing. But then I think it also is, that's like a, the smaller dailies, but with regards to now getting into software and wanting to, to have that ability, I I've heard a few of Rostam's pipe dreams, you know, that dreams are dreams and you have many ideas and anything's possible in software, but one of them, and I don't know if you want to talk a bit more about it is, is helping other people right in that well, you can explain that one more mm-hmm. and then there's also like really cool rostin's big into composting and environmentalism xyz's and i have a lot to learn in that and i don't know too much so i would love to discuss a bit more on any of those topics
1: yeah um yeah one of my goals is like i think software can change people's lives because i think like you go from um like making x amount to like making x y amount um, and software and it's like um, it changed my life um, and my life trajectory and so I think it'd be awesome to be able to take someone that's low or that low income uh, whatever that has the desire to like get out of it and be like hey like come stay with me for six months eight months um, let's software engineer every single day let me teach you the way and then you can go off and get your own job and you know I think it's it's really powerful to be like yeah I changed something Someone's life trajectory. Um, so I think that's like one of my one of my goals with with software to like give back. Um, granted, tutor, like mentoring and tutoring is is giving me a little bit of satisfaction. But what's the next level to that? Because you already do that. You already do mentoring and tutoring. Yeah, I know the enjoyment bag out of it. So taking it a step further, it's like, well, well, how can we amplify this? And I think that's kind of the direction that my mind is going. Um, yeah
0: very cool so the uh the kind of like cause and like the way to give back that you're thinking of is is to like empower people who otherwise might not have gone a software career path to like spend to like spend your time and your resources to like help that person level up
1: yeah and it's like um, I was afforded the luxury of like being able to go there because um, it's expensive and then I know they have income share agreements uh, but not everyone gets approved um, and so I just I think that there's more opportunity for us to like give back and really like help people out um, with with our time and yeah resources.
0: Oh huh. have you heard of effective altruism? No. Um, so I think it's I think it's kind of similar to how you're thinking about things like giving back Um, it's 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 a it's a sort of movement there's like there are like books behind it and the big idea behind it is that uh, for people who want to do good and like want to make an impact um, like let's say someone who goes to work at a nonprofit because they want to like shape the world or like do some do some good. Uh what this movement argues is that instead of working at a nonprofit, what you should do is probably get the lucrative job and donate a portion of your income to charity. And so that so that you support those nonprofits. And the argument is that is that that's like a very real way of having impacts, but then like you're not you're not like stuck in the you, like you don't have to be in, in the nonprofit world, mm-hmm. um, and so. Uh, there are, there are like different ways of thinking about it. So like, uh, one thing that people do is they'll, they'll have what are they, what are called um, um. Quality of life years, like Q A L Y, that's like a measurement, and they'll and they'll be like, oh, um, on a per dollar basis, like how do I. Like which charity is gonna have like the highest quality of life years, and then there's there's another there's another charity that will like rank the different charities, and so like the top of the list will be like malaria nets, um, because it turns out for every like ten dollars, um, someone lives like ten years like ten years longer of like a quality year. Um, so there's like all all this like thinking behind it. Um, the person. Who is a big proponent behind the movement is a he's an Oxford professor who like wrote books and started a nonprofit and what he does is he he lives off of the median income in the UK, which is like fifty seven thousand euros. He makes way more than that, but he donates with the rest of his money. He like donates to charity, um, so it's like. I don't know. I, think it's, I think it's like really cool. Um,
1: yeah, I think charity is interesting because it's like you don't get that immediate benefit of like knowing that you have helped someone. I think like they try and personalize it too to like give you pictures or give you updates. But um, yeah, it, it, it has a better ROI I guess um, for investing your money and getting or achieving more like change. Uh, that makes sense totally.
0: Yeah. And also if the like relationship is important, then that's that's it's like if someone if someone in Africa doesn't get malaria, it's like very far removed. Um still so, still very impactful, but then it's like if the goal is to like mentor someone and like have that kind of relationship, that's that's a different thing. Either way, I would say. Really great that you're like thinking about impact and thinking about giving back. A lot of respect. Um, You also mentioned that you worked um, in like finance and you're doing investment stuff. Like, are you still, are you still like involved with that stuff or are you like automating it?
1: Um, Yeah. So I still trade, Um, not really like day trading anymore. Um, I tried that out for six months. I feel like I lost two years off my life um Mm -hmm. because you don't sleep and it's it was a crazy crazy setup that i had um so i don't think i'll go that route anymore but i do invest for like a long term um just companies that i see being around for a while um and then parking the money in there to to make my we're in such a bull run right now it's kind of ridiculous um you can put your money in a lot of things and it'll grow um but yeah, I don't do like more of the technical analysis. Um, I do kind of just like, what are products that I, I think Kevin Hart came out with like an Instagram thing and he was like, um, you know, I, he told his daughter, he's like, okay, so Colgate, you brush your teeth every day. That's a product that's going to be around forever. Right. People need to brush their teeth. So like, why would you not invest in that? You know, Starbucks, people like coffee, they're going to go out and buy coffee. So are they going to go away? Probably not. Um, so he's like giving advice to his daughter on like how to invest their money. And I was like, well, that's true. Like that's one way of investing money that it's you know uh, non-aggressive, right? Um, it's not going the the crypto or like um, inverse volatility stocks. Like um, you're you're just investing in these corporations that will pay dividends and they're kind of plateauing. Um, but then I have more some some of the like uh, more aggressive investments like crypto, um, and I allocate some of my portfolio to that. And then yeah, like tech and I kind of. I stay up to date with a lot of the news too. Um, So for instance, we're in a uh, semiconductor shortage right now. And so therefore um, they can charge a higher price, like supply demand, economics. And so uh, we'll see a lot of these companies making profits in their Q3, Q4 earnings. Um, So you can kind of play those things um, for a period of time before it kind of levels out. Um, Yeah. And then oil as well, because oil is kind of crazy right now. Yeah. So I just have money like pretty much everywhere that I, I see uh, one to two month investment paying off. And once I hit a certain percentage, then I'm like, okay, I'm happy. Like I'm out. Let me find the next thing.
0: Oh, wow. One to two months.
1: Yeah. I don't like holding for long-term. I don't know. Oh, interesting. Huh. I guess the rationale there is like, there's the information that comes out, um, stock prices are immediate because it's available to everyone, right? Not just like, um, mm-hmm. um, quant, quants or like hedge funds, et cetera. So now that you have so much information passed out to the people, that means they can make informed decisions and you get more of the swings, um, in stock prices. And so, uh, for me, that means that like I can't really handle two biggest swings. Like it's rough. Um, mm-hmm. so once I hit like my target, even if it's like shorter than one or two months, I'll just sell it. Um, and then, keep moving on granted the ones that are like not doing so well I average down so I've held on to them for like three or four months now so um, (laughs) I do I don't take a loss I just average down and those are like the ones that I'll hold on to longer
0: oh interesting yeah Yeah, I'd imagine when you're when you're taking like one to two months that's like the the thinking is very different from kind of like a buy and hold person Mm -hmm. because because with but that approach, you're thinking is like, what do people not get that they're gonna they're gonna start to see in like a month or two? So you're like trying to be like a step ahead of
1: people. Um, yeah, and just like read what that looks gonna what's gonna happen in the short term, right? Like based on you know the shipping container getting stuck in the in the canal, like what what is that going to affect you know in the short term? um you know how is that gonna affect the prices of consumer goods um or let's say like the ports in California are completely booked out like they literally have like ships just sitting there that can't really dock because they don't have employees like what is that going to affect in the short term um and you can kind of pick companies or kind of guess on because it's all gamble right uh educated gamble but um you can kind of predict or, or see like what's gonna be affected and then base, base your investments off that.
0: It's all a gamble with a hopefully positive expected value.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Doesn't always work out that way.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You also mentioned that there's a bull run. Um, And this is something, this is something I've been thinking about a lot because traditionally, traditionally when there, when there's something where it's like people say it's a bubble or people say like, that it's overpriced or whatever, it's been a pretty clear target. You know, it's been like crypto in late two, thousand seventeen, or it's been like um, like the like tech tech stocks in like the late nineteen nineties, or real estate in like up to two thousand seven. So there, there are very few. There are like there are places where it's it's it wasn't it wasn't obvious, but it was clear that prices were inflated like if there there, I don't think any rational person in late 2017 was actually I'm, I'm totally wrong there there are bulls everywhere but it's like if something multiplies by 20 and you're you're still buying in it's like you have to be reasonably aware of like the fact that it could also drop by 80%, which is exactly what happened. Um, that being said, the reason why it's important, it's interesting right now is because everything is up. Like houses, house prices are up like 20 to 25% from a year ago. Um, stock market, like every index all time high. Yep. Uh, Tesla is at, I don't know, 1.2 trillion, 1 trillion, who knows, every day it's different um bitcoin up ethereum all these shit coins the the coin that copies the meme coin like the meme coin of the meme coin is going crazy like dude i would like to hear your hot take on
1: what's going on weird times well i think there's two parts there um that come to mind is like one uh prices are rising however our income is not rising um at the rate by which things are getting more expensive so there's a delta there right so like for me i do think it's it's kind of crazy right now i don't know if like i mean i think everyone said from the last six years oh everything's too high, you know like everything it's gonna drop like it's gonna crash tomorrow like it's gonna crash next week because of xyz so there's like that component that uh we have this fear of of potentially losing everything again uh based on you know historical evidence, every 10, eight to 10 years, you have a correction. And so if you're looking at it through those lenses, it's like, yeah, maybe I'm more cautious about my money, um, and investments. Um, but yeah, I just, I guess I, I, I set that as like the standard, but like, um, the other part is, yeah, I mean, we're future looking, we're investing in like the future of these companies. And so for Tesla and, and all these companies to be extremely highly valued as we move into like, tech I feel like it will always be there and it will always be increasing because we have a huge dependency on it so it's kind of like a safe bet but as far as like the crazy bull runs and like crypto being up I think it's just young millennials have money and they're just like hey we can make money off of this by like tweeting some things and and watch the stock price go up it's it's yeah, it's kind of crazy. And I don't know if it's like based on any actuality, like, um, like they do any research on the company or they do any research into any of the coins. They're just like, oh, this one seems to be going up. AMC, you know, like it's going up and everyone's getting behind it. Let's just ride the wave into it. And then they make a, a lot of money and they're like, all right, well, we'll buy other stock too. And then, you know, it kind of inflates. So um, I don't know what's going to correct it, but yeah. Um, Yeah, things are definitely, I feel like inflated, but again, they've said that for the past 10 years, you know? Like, I don't know. I don't know if they actually are. What's your take?
0: I don't know. I just saw that Rivian, uh, number one, IPO'd at like $70 billion. And then number two, I I haven't checked since market closed, but they were up like 35%. So let's say they're like a $100 billion company. They haven't made, they haven't made like a million dollars yet. Like they haven't, (laughs) they have, they have contracts with Amazon and, and I'm sure they, I'm sure they are a promising car company, but like, it's pretty wild. Like Tesla, Tesla IPO at like 500 million or something like it was, and they were, they had been making the roadster at the time. And like, Um. yeah, it's just, um, uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, my, yeah, yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. sorry, go on. No, no, sorry. I was, I was just gonna say with the whole Rivian thing, it's like based on a deal, if it doesn't go through or like they don't produce or whatever, like the fluctuations in that are gonna be ridiculous, you know? Let's say they drop the contract, like that stock price is gonna be down 50, 60% in one day. So it's like, I don't, I don't know too much about the deal, but I remember them like the my feeling today $78 a share.
0: Yeah, uh, That that being said, I would love to see the car live. Um, I think in Venice Beach, they have like a, like a Rivian, they call it like an adventure hub. So like anyone can go visit and look at the cars. I think I will do that when I'm in LA. Um, but I, I hope, I hope they, like, they're successful because they're like really cool cars from what I've seen on the website. Um, anyways, my, my, hot, my hot take is that we're like printing a lot of money. And it makes everything go up in value. and like everything just ends up costing more. Um, and obviously, it's people the people who are the people that benefit, people who like have big 401k balances, and like people who own property and like people who who like just got a mortgage. Um, and then who are the people that don't benefit, people on fixed incomes who, don't have giant 401k balances so i'm a little sad about that i don't know i don't know what the right solution is um from a like i'm not this federal reserve kind of perspective so um yeah i don't know but yeah that that being said i'm just like not or at least for the last like year and a half i've been a very not believer in cash um yeah all right he, what's up what's up with you what's going on <laughs> in your mind <laughs> uh, no it came to me i was like let's go mm-hmm. what's the inflation this year it's gonna be four or five percent right so so that the the cpi is is a little misleading because it's it's like a group of economists who like choose the basket of goods and so it's it's very easy it's like if you if you're someone who like lives in your mom's basement and you and you smoke weed like your whether or not how much inflation affects you is very different from someone who's like 30 years old about to buy their first house like about to get about to get married is is saving up for X, Y, and Z, wants to buy a boat, like goes on a vacation every year. Like it's I, I think the the CPI is like pretty it's it's only like one slice of the whole story. Um so yeah yeah all I know all I know is is uh when I've gone to restaurants they're all hiring um service is slow because you have like two people working where you traditionally have had four like what what's going to happen uh people are going to quit until until these businesses like uh like give higher wages and they're going to raise prices in response because like people are people are going to these restaurants now that now that like like slowly opening up um so yeah i don't like i don't mind i don't mind paying more for stuff what makes me sad is that there are there are people that are on the like like are on the short end of that sick they like they like like people are understandably mad and like unhappy and yeah it's all this it's like billionaire's tax which you know it sucks but it's like I don't know what the right way to address it is other than like, like make government a lot smaller. (laughs) Yeah. Hot take.
1: (laughs) Yeah. It's like, also where's that money coming from? I think people during COVID, when they got laid off, they got paid like a lot of money just to stay at home and not work. I had a friend who, uh, I think it was $3,000 a month they were making from the government uh, oh. for staying at home. And I was like, okay, and they don't have any expenses, so oh, that's in savings. And so now they're like, well, I don't want to work. I have, I have money. Um, so they don't. I think that's like kind of the cause of this whole uh, worker shortage. That's just my take. I don't know. Um,
0: was, your, was your friend, was unemployment paying $3,000 a month?
1: It was for COVID, people who got laid off during COVID. Wow. Yeah.
0: Interesting. Huh. Great. Wow. That being said, I do want there to be a universal basic income. (laughs) Interesting. Your UBI is equal across all states and geographies. Yeah. Yeah. I would. I would love for that to happen. I would love for Jeff Bezos to get a check every month. um what amount i don't know let's say 1500 a month every single person even more than andrew yang so the the thing is andrew yang was a thousand dollars a month but like since then prices have gone up so so it needs to like you know adjust to it um and then i don't think we should do a wealth tax like an unrealized gains tax. I think we should do a tax on consumption of like non-essential goods, like boats, cars, definitely carbon tax, um, airplanes. And we, sh- we should just tax all these things that like rich people will do anyways. Um, but then like don't tax groceries and don't tax, like I don't know, what else? I, I would like to see that world. Oh, also while we're at it, let's get rid of all the freeways in LA and I'll get rid of tar- traffic. Um. I don't know how you do How do you do that? Do you have a solution there, that that's a big one? <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll be, I'll run for mayor and then and then I'll I'll get I'll be like I'll get rid of traffic, and then yeah. Anyways, sounds like elementary <laughs> school. I'll put soda in the drinking fountain. I'm voting for her. <laughs> <laughs> I remember those days. I never got soda. No, just
1: nah,
0: oh, cool. oh, oh! It's almost been an hour. Um, awesome. What? Uh. What uh, words of wisdom or parting thoughts do you have for our, our listeners?
1: Um, words of wisdom. We only control ourselves and how we perceive life. That's all I'm going to on the mic drop on that. It's amazing.
0: <laughs> You're right. <laughs> you are right that's awesome alright we're going to close it out we're going to call it a day this is an amazing amazing episode thank you Senior Ross, awesome, for coming on to another episode of the Moon Tea Podcast where we talk about craft community building meaningful careers and honestly anything else we digress into and then we get to see these outros all the time by John and they're amazing make my day. I don't know how to do the wave like that. It's pretty great. <laughs> it's like <laughs> the patch should be a gift. <laughs> mm-hmm. thanks me. Yeah, thanks for having me on guys. This awesome. yeah. Thanks me on, guys. This awesome. yeah, thanks for having me on. Peace. Peace.